I believe every leader's job is to give hope and to see the possibilities. Welcome to Leading Forward, where we explore how successful leaders and organizations thrive in spite of, and sometimes because of, challenge and uncertainty. I am your executive coach and host, Christy Berger. Hello, everyone. I am so excited. I for our guest today has been one that I have had the pleasure of interacting with and meeting with years ago. Um, I, I am so honored to introduce you all to Cordia Harrington. Cordia is the CEO and founder of Crown Bakeries. So um, I could go on and spend the 30 minutes that we have together today just telling you all about the wonderful things that Cordia has done and, and part of her career journey and the the obstacles she's overcome and the path that she has um, forged ahead, um, the numerous awards for her business and her leadership and community support, but I don't think I would do it very, very much justice. So Cordia, I'm going to um, first say thank you and welcome. And I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about uh, Crown, Crown Bakeries for one, um, and then, then the work that you've done. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is um, fun getting together on Zoom. Uh, I can't wait till we can get together in person. Yeah. But uh, most recently, we have changed the name. If you remember, Christy, when I founded Tennessee Bun Company in 1996, it was a goal to just be a McDonald's baker to make hamburger buns for McDonald's, therefore Tennessee Bun Company, serving seven states. Well, over time, as we've grown, we became more than a bun company. We became a bakery company. And that was our name for years, but it didn't really have the wow and pizzazz that we needed in order to share what we really are. And I believe Crown Bakeries is that. So we rebranded March 1st as Crown Bakeries. I'm the founder and CEO. The same teammates are in place, but our goal is to somehow through marketing, let our customers know that when they deal with us, they'll be treated like royalty and the quality will be there top notch. And we believe that Crown helps us get that measure apart. We now serve about 1800 customers. We have plants in Sioux City, Iowa, in Georgia. We've got a couple of plants. We've got four plants in Tennessee and we make over 10 million pieces of bread a day which is sort of exciting. Wow, wow. I'd say really exciting. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Cordia, I'm curious, you know, when you, what was it like, you know, when making that um, transition to rebrand and, and kind of open up, um, because open up the, what, the possibilities and really reposition your organization. And let me say, all unfolding in the midst of, of 2020 and the pandemic, when most companies were, you know, maybe maybe pausing things or retreating to manage through the crisis, you guys were successfully soaring. So kind of walk us well, through some of that. We certainly um, had some very scary times during COVID because mm -hmm. so many of our customers are restaurants and they closed. Mm -hmm. So we definitely went down in sales and we were, our number one concern was how do we keep everybody employed? 
because having that steady paycheck, you know, while PPE was great, you wanted to give your team a chance to continue to support their family. So the only way we could really do that was to grow, grow new customers, grow new plants. So it was really survival mode. What do you do to take care of your people in the midst of a pandemic? So that's really what drove us. Yeah. Can you um, share with us, maybe kind of pull the curtain back a little bit? Um, a lot of our listeners are, you know, in various levels of leadership and leading their teams or leading their, their functions or organizations. And, you know, they were faced with similar crisis and will probably be faced with that again in the future. Um, right. Kind of walk us through from where you sit as leading this organization, you know, what goes on in your mind and, and what conscious decisions are you making in the way in which you lead your team and your organization um, at, at a granular level, Cordia? Well, I, Christy, I believe every leader's job is to give hope and to see the possibilities. And if we continue to be positive and see what the future can be, and it, it's never what you think it's going to be when you start out. It, you know as well as I, you think your business, like I did, I thought, oh, I'm just going to be a McDonald's supplier and that's all we're going to do. We're going to make buns and I'm going to have little bun plants all over the world for <laughs> McDonald's. Well, it didn't turn out like that. Thank goodness. You know, so being resourceful as a, as a leader and being open to change mm -hmm. because we are so different today than we ever dreamed we would be. And, and the opportunities that we got during COVID, the plants that we bought during COVID, they were struggling. They were having a tough time. We were able to come in with customers, leadership, opportunities. It saved those jobs. It gave our people chances for growth in leadership positions. So it was the right thing to do. And when you're doing the right thing for your team, you can always figure out the money and all the rest. Yes, so well said. And, and hope was exactly what was needed and a vision for what is possible and what is good during right. that time. And right. so that, that, as you know, as you just, um, and I can underscore here, is that has to come from the, the senior most leaders of the organization. And then how do you right. then ensure it's cascading down? Um, can you walk us through how you ensure within your organization, now that the scope is so big and the reach is so broad, how right. do you all ensure at the executive level that these things are reaching the floors, right? And, and cascading all the way down. That's always a challenge. And I don't know that we do a great job with it. We certainly try. But I believe being inclusive is always helpful. So a lot of people can get behind something they help create. And we're very open with the senior leadership team. They get to help make decisions. They get to help carve out what we're going to do. Can we handle this? Then they get on board. Then they're excited as they share the information with the, the teammates below. I mean, we have had during COVID plant engineers that have grown to be plant managers. And now even Seth, he's over several plants. And so it's exciting to see that you can give growth an opportunity. And the more leaders you get involved in the decision, the more excitement and hope and uh, what can be can come out. Right. And it sounds like during that time is presenting those opportunities for, for your leaders to step in to challenge themselves, to lead at a, in a higher 
um, more impactful way um, right. during that moment and, and really seeing the opportunity to make those changes um, to best serve the organization at that time. You, you, you referenced all these, this, the, the level of change and the magnitude of the changes that you guys were making and were probably already in the course of making prior to that. Um, how have you, when faced with resistance, kind of internal resistance to change or even within your leadership team behind closed doors, how do you overcome that and reposition that to move forward? Well, sometimes it's one-on-one, and believe me, uh, there's always resistance. And, you know, unfortunately, you don't always get everybody to come along. So, uh, you know, you know, you have people that just go, whoa, I, I just don't see that. And they, and so they have to leave. And I hate that. But I will say that we encourage that I don't think it'll work kind of conversation early on. We listen to all of the uh, pros and the cons about the decision. But once we make a decision, we're all in. And if somebody is not all in, then one-on-one, we talk about it. We try to get them on board. If they don't get on board, then they need to go do something they can believe in. Right. Because you don't need anybody... um, faking it. You need people that authentically, truly believe in the passion and the goal and are willing to figure out how to make things happen. Yes. You know, Cordia, there's a concept, especially in um, more senior level leadership teams, you're not always going to agree or see the same thing at the same time. Right. It's it's at, can we come together and have that kind of productive dialogue and maybe a little productive conflict, but at the end, can we even disagree and commit Right, right. Disagree exactly. and commit, right? And, exactly. And, you know, you may have been faced with this, um, is, you know, talk to other executives and leaders that I work with, is that sometimes you just have to get to that place where you, you know that it's not going to happen and you have right. to make that hard decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and usually people self-eliminate. Um, because they realize that they are just not all in. Mm-hmm. And and um, I've got a lot of contacts. I'm really good at helping people find other opportunities. And I'm happy to do that. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Because th- th- exactly. How can we bring people into the organization and they be... Mm-hmm. Uh, they be committed and involved in the, in the time that they're there and then move on and take their learning elsewhere. Yes, absolutely. And you, you know, I want to just slightly pivot, um, Cordia, you know, really talking about development, right? In the, in career pathing and sometimes where we, you know, people select out or opt out, things change, life stages change. And hey, I mean, you look back this year, people have reprioritized a lot exactly. of their life. Right. And so when you think about that, that really ties well with how we develop uh, a culture in an organization and we develop our people um, within the organization. How does Crown Bakeries in the way in your perspective as the leader of the organization look at development and specifically around leadership development and growth? Well, um, that is our number one priority. And I would say that if we were grading ourselves on how we how good a job we do, we'd probably flunk ourselves, even though it's the most important priority, because we want diversity and inclusion. We want to grow people uh, in 
in the organization. And yet things are moving so fast. We don't often take the time we need to send people off to training to, uh, you know, even have them shadow within our own organization. But it's certainly our number one priority. Yeah, I think you know you're not alone on that, right? I mean, especially as your organizations get so big, you know, right. there is a scale to that, Cordia, and then things change. And I think you're you're not alone in the organizations that are constantly looking at how do they do that better and how do they evolve because right. the workforce changes, the needs change, and and leadership is defined differently. Um, right. And it's a constant well, moving, you know, um, concept in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's it. You know, if if somebody can figure out how to get that done, I, you know, I, I'll I'll spend all my money on that process. I mean, we've tried Dale Carnegie, we've tried people coming in, we've tried everything, and yeah. you know, there's no magic bullet. Yeah, yeah, and it and it's um, relative to the organization, the industry, right? Because yes. your workforce is different. Yes. Yes. For sure. Yes. Absolutely. So when we think about just defining leadership, um, reference there. Um, you know, you've had a you've had a lot of experience of of being the leader, and you and you know throughout your journey, you've been on the recipient of others, right? And, and early on in your career, how do you at this point in your life define great leadership, and what are the qualities um, that that are important? That's a great question, Christy. I think the leaders that I respect the most are totally forthright. They're able to deliver the truth, even when it's painful or when it's hard or when it hurts. And I really respect people that are authentic, that are themselves, that don't try to be something that they're not. And I also um, have had on my little um, vanity in my bathroom, a little plaque that says, Success is a journey, not a destination. And so I really believe that the leaders that are willing to continue to learn, to learn from the people that work for them, to learn from others, uh, those are the people that tend to be open-minded, resourceful, appreciative, and and I think they're the most effective long-term. Right. And, and, you know, I, I would absolutely agree with that, Cordia. And, and some of the leaders today and why it's so important and different today is that that thirst for learning, that mm-hmm. openness to mm-hmm. to grow and see things different and really, you know, be able to make tough decisions and cast a vision and be agile right. and strategic while also being open to be influenced, right? right. Regardless of positional um, you know, where they fall within the organization and that can lead and build great teams. Yes. Yeah. You know, because that's very different. we can't do it all. And if we let ego get in the way, uh, it, it can just be a barrier. I've seen ego take down more talented uh, people in our industry than I care to um, talk about. Yeah. You know, I have to follow up on that, Cordia, as people are, you know, hearing you say that and probably are shaking their heads or yep, saying, yep, absolutely. I've seen it too. Um, how does that manifest itself? Because you can, you can almost envision that the leader or the person that's maybe it's very explicit, right? That it's, it's about them. Um, and they're, they're making ego kind of driven decisions or the way in which they're showing up. But, but there's sometimes it's, it's more implicit. It's, it's a little, 
kind of softer or harder to put your finger on. Um, how does that show up or manifest or what do you see or what, what intuition is kind of, um, you know, uh, turned on in a way where you say that's what's happening there, you know, for leaders that are looking or maybe experiencing that for themselves or putting the mirror up a little bit to say, would that apply to me? You know, um, I don't really have words to define how to, to recognize it. And I don't know that it's always recognizable before mm. titles are given. Mm. Uh, I'll share with you, Christy, an experience that I had maybe five years ago now. Right. I had a very talented, very talented, skillful, skilled, well-trained uh, leader that I promoted. And the minute they got the new title, it was like they became a peacock. All these feathers came out and their chest popped out. And I was hearing things from this person like, that's not, that's not for me to do. Well, in a, you know, we, we, we do everything. In an entrepreneurial organization, you wear many hats. But the, the power in the title meant something different mm -hmm. to this person than it did to me. I felt I feel like the more title and power you have, the more opportunity you have to serve. They felt like the more title and power you had, you should be served. Mm. And it was a very bad fit. And no matter how much I would talk about it, I would use examples, we couldn't ever get through. And his and this was a gentleman, his behavior was so off-putting that it really, he didn't fit in the organization. And it was such a shame because he really knew the business, really had the skills, but the ego, we just couldn't get around mm -hmm. it and worked on it for 12 or 18 months, you know? So I'm not good at, at picking out how the title is going to affect people. Mm -hmm. I, I mm -hmm. thought, I thought he was a servant leader. I thought he had the heart um, to serve and he didn't. So yeah, you know, sometimes you make I've, mistakes no matter how much you care about that. Yeah. Right, right. And, and I you know, and so often and, and that's great that you know just acknowledging that because uh, you know, I think so often, you know, people are put in and given opportunities based on their previous experience and expertise, technical, functional, business, operational expertise. Right. Yet that doesn't translate in leadership, right? It, right. It's actually the opposite. You need more leadership capability versus expertise. And I think sometimes what I find is when people don't understand, when they're put in those positions, they don't understand the transitional, transitional process of what has to be different and what they have to let go of. Right. You know, the very things that made them feel secure and successful are no longer going to serve them. Right. And that's, that's a tough transition. And then they dig in even more, right, right. into those behaviors. Right. And, and micromanage and, the people reporting to them and... It, it gives people the impression they don't trust them, and it's a spiral. It's a snowball effect, absolutely. And then you have to make tough changes. Were you able to salvage um, that that um, colleague or team member, um, or was it one of those situations where they I, did have um, to leave? We, um, yes, uh, um, I felt I felt like that. The, the gifts that he had brought were very valuable to the organization. 
And I really blame myself for putting him in the role that he couldn't be successful in. We put him in a different role uh, to more of a technical leadership role where micromanaging technical details was a good thing. And he, he was successful in that until he retired a couple of years later. Um, I, I can't say that the rest of the team really felt the respect towards him that he mm. probably wished he had had because everybody felt um, the failure that he had you know, without it being said. Right. You know, so I probably what would have been better for him and better for us is to have gone ahead and helped him find something else. Yeah. Looking back on it, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Yeah, always, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's one of those, those are one of those pain points. Those are the, those are the tough stories um, that I think so many go through. And also it helps them hopefully understand how to prevent that from happening after going through that. And it sounds right. like that you guys were able to, to learn from that experience. Hopefully, well, as, as an yeah, yeah. I, you know, you do the best yes. you can at the time and right. you don't always, it's never <laughs> perfect, you know. Oh, oh, I know, Cordia, hopefully just more days that are good than not, right? And so, right. you know, I, um, I like to segue as we go kind of towards the end of our conversation. Um, you know, I referenced in the opening, I had the wonderful um, gift of, of, of having a small group discussion with you as part of my fusion program, which is, you know, a program that supports executive women here in, in our area in the Nashville community. Yes. And, um, and your story was just so powerful and comedic, which you, you know, which was wonderful. It says a lot about you. Um, I'd love to open that up a little bit, um, because I think you are such a, um, a role model inspiration, um, for women, um, and women executives, women leaders of what's possible and how to overcome anything that kind of gets in their way. And that could be themselves in their own thinking. Yeah, normally or, it is. Or yeah. it could be, right. you know, truly something more outside of themselves, right? And I think mm-hmm. in your journey um, years ago and when you started on this path, there were some more systemic things that were um, challenging yeah. for you. So, um, I'd love to kind of maybe share your view on that and your thoughts um, and maybe some uh, even pieces of your story and in those moments where you were challenged and you had to maybe step in in a way to advocate for yourself and for what you were striving for. Okay. I'm sorry about the camera. It sort of oh, fell off okay. its table. Yeah, That's okay. Um, well, I think, I think that Um, I can really understand women that are trying to get ahead. I was a single mom. I had three young sons. They were one, three, and five when I was divorced. And he was unable or willing to pay child support. So I had to figure out a way to financially support my children as well as, um, take care of them. And I, I grew up wearing my cousin's hand-me-downs, so I didn't have any wealth to fall back on. And that's what drove me to try to find, get into business, to make money, to support our kids. Mm-hmm. And I began a real estate company. I was pretty rich back then. I had almost $600. <laughs> 
It's all relative, Cordia. And I, <laughs> I bartered for my office. Uh, in other words, Dr. King had a big empty building. I said, if I fill it up for you, can I have free rent? Okay. And then I leased my desk for $3 a month and my chair for $1.50 a month from Burris office machine. And I was in the real estate business. This is in 1981 in Russellville, Arkansas. And over time, I met through the real estate company, a family that bought the McDonald's. And I just thought, oh my gosh, they're out on their boat. They're driving a Mercedes. They're spending time with their kids. I need to do this. Well, I was able to go through the program and um, it was a very difficult process. The year I applied, there were over 56,000 people that applied for a hundred positions. And I had to, you know, women at that point just didn't own McDonald's. So in the interview, Christy, I remember him saying, what makes you think you can run a McDonald's? I said, these are working girls' hands. I will work hard. I will clean the toilet. I'll do whatever. And they believed me and thankfully gave me the opportunity to get in the program. So after getting into the program, I thought I would be able to stay in Arkansas and have my McDonald's there because the family that lived there didn't want to stay in, in the town that had a nuclear plant, which didn't bother me at all because I <laughs> loved it. <laughs> but um, I ended up moving to Effingham, Illinois and bought a McDonald's franchise there in another small town of 10,000 people. And that was tough because I all the money that I had made the down payment with was all I had. So I lived in a rent house and I don't know if you've ever lived in one of those kind of rent houses that if you turn on, turn, if you flush the toilet, the cold water goes. So if you're in the shower, the hot water scalds you. Oh, no. <laughs> My boys used to think that was hilarious <laughs> that when I'd get in the shower, they'd yeah. flush the toilet. So mom would scream. Oh, <laughs> uh, it sounds like my eight year old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, it was just tough times. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I bought one and I built two more McDonald's. And, you know, I was a perfectionist. I wanted everything perfect. And it's very difficult when you've got 217-year-olds running your $3.5 million business. So yes. I learned about supply chain with McDonald's and knew that was for me. But it really took a three-year, you know, 31 interviews over a four-year period of time, three years, eight months, for them to finally get that I was serious about doing this. So it's been a journey, and I've cried myself to sleep, probably equal to the number of nights I've gone, yay, it's been a great day. <laughs> but I, I do think, looking back, that the hard times are what made me who I am today. And when I'm going through them, I didn't like them at all. I, I, I couldn't see good coming out of it, but good does come out of hard times. And I really want to encourage any of the listeners that if you're going through a hard time, be thankful for it because you're going to be a better mom, a better woman, a better business person mm -hmm. um, 
for what you learn through the hard times. Oh, absolutely, Cordia. I could not agree more. Um, you, we, we, um, your story, I mean, there's so much more to it, right? We don't, we could be all day, but we don't have all day. So maybe, maybe uh, next time we'll continue to dive into that. But we referenced, um, and you talk about how maybe women are holding themselves back, right? It's maybe the internal um, thinking or, yes. or mindset. Um, what advice, if, you know, for somebody that's listening, and maybe it's not even a woman, right? It could be others, but that, that are at that place. Um, what, what advice do you have? I think it's very important who we surround ourselves with. And for me, getting involved in YPO, Young Presidents Organization, I was surrounded by people that were just like me, just normal people, but they were doing extraordinary things. And that helped me realize I too could do extraordinary things. I, 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 my bar got raised. I remember being on an airplane going to a uh, retreat with nine of the, the, the people in my YPO forum. And one of the guys that I thought was the most successful of the group, I said, when is enough enough? How, you know, help me understand. And he said, well, I thought when I made a million a month, I'd be happy, but now that I'm making a million a week, it's a lot more fun and I'm gonna try for a million a day. Well, of course that blew me away because my gross sales that year were about 3 million. And the idea that he made net a million a month, I, I mean, that was not in my realm of thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But once it got in my realm of thinking, then I started focusing on how I could get there. And the year that I got there, I called him and I said, guess what? For the last 12 months, we netted a million a month. And he didn't even remember the conversation. But it was so impactful to me because it just raised the bar of what's possible. So I think who we surround ourselves with, what we read, how we listen... Not that making money is the most important thing, but I think it's more about overcoming challenges and doing things that you think are just absolutely impossible. And it makes it so much fun. Oh, wow. You know, absolutely. I think it's also about broadening your possibilities, right? I think sometimes right, right. you didn't even see it. Right. And so no. I'm so, so many, you know, women I work with and others and young, maybe and younger leaders, they, their, their bar is too low. For right. whatever reason, whatever, maybe where origin, family of origin, where they come from, whatever it is, or someone said something that they probably right. don't remember that was harmful. You know, right. so, I mean, it's it's just that encouragement to think bigger and that you're capable if you Right, right. And because I, yeah. I believe that God in our, in, in our souls gives us ideas and, and the, and, and so whenever somebody says, I really want to do this business, but I don't know, I go, yes, you know, inside your soul, you're being told to do that. Go for it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And just, and have the hope, right? And That's make right. one step towards it coming to fruition. So Cordia, I, I want to conclude and I just want to say thank you, but I would be remiss not to ask. And now, now that your organization, you know, has been um, rebranded and it's, you know, 
all these wonderful possibilities. The question at the core of it is, are you still the bun lady? Can we still call you the bun lady? Absolutely. Of course. (laughs) I would be remiss. So I have given my bare naked buns to people all over the United States and a couple of presidents. Of course, I'm still the bun lady. (laughs) And with that, I I can't even beat that, right? So, Cordia, thank you for the levity. Thank you for the inspiration and just sharing your story. It's just so impactful. Um, so thank you Thanks, for your Christy. time today. All right. Okay, God bless. Till next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. To listen to future episodes, you can subscribe to the Leading Forward podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. For those of you who enjoy the full experience, you can watch the conversations as they unfold at christyberger.com. Until next time, keep leading forward.